Welcome to Crazy Little Thing Called Marriage. I'm Greg. And I'm Erin. We've been married for 31 years. We're marriage counselors, and we lead the marriage team here at Focus on the Family. Greg, today we're talking about something that every couple has talked about or disagreed about. Take a guess. I'm going to say poorly celebrating your spouse's birthday. No. And then being in trouble for that. <laughs> no, no. No, no. It's money. Oh, money. that was going to be my second guess. Finances. Because today is my birthday. Today is Greg's birthday. And he, by the way, he is being <laughs> fully celebrated. Fully celebrated. We'll, we'll report back on the next episode how that went. But you're right. I mean, yes, money, number one conflict between couples, certainly a huge topic. Mm-hmm. You know, for us, we, we've had our fair share of money conflicts. I remember one time in particular that we were selling a home and going to buy a different home and the one that we found that we loved it just it was going to stretch us mm-hmm. you know it was still we could do it but it just it was making me nervous uh-huh. and we talked a little bit about it and I think the way that I was coping with feeling stress and a little bit fearful about this purchase this new home was that I, I I tried to get you to agree on okay here's our budget when we sell our home we'll spend <laughs> oh, this much on whatever for whatever it is yes. that we wanted to get new and so one day we were all the whole family you you were laying on the couch the girls and I were sitting at this table talking and um, I was telling the girls about the things that uh, the buyers wanted to purchase with the home and what I wanted to get what new furniture I wanted to get to replace it. And apparently I triggered something it inside just of you. pushed me, I think, beyond. Again, I own that this was my own issue, my own fear, my own insecurity, all that. So, But at the moment, I didn't feel – I directed everything at you. And I remember not yelling, but I remember talking in a very stern, kind of business-like voice. Aaron, you promised we have a budget. <laughs> you agreed that you're going to stick to that budget. All those things that you just told the girls about, we can't get all that. So come on, you, 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 you have to stick to this budget. Well, I did that with such passion and oh, lots of passion, and energy that you, know, you, you, the girls, just kind of jaw dropped, yeah. staring at me. And all I remember is that you, you instantly got up. Mm-hmm. So you're across the room from me. You get up and you just walk directly at me. Mm-hmm. I, I wasn't sure what you were going to do. <laughs> I, I don't know. You just came at me so quickly that I didn't know, do I need to get in a defensive, you know, Miyagi karate stance or I don't, I don't know. But I'll never forget, you came over and you leaned right into my face. So your face, your noses are mm-hmm. basically touching and you you grabbed the sides of my my face. And so again, I'm so confused. I have no idea where this is going to go. But you look at me and you said, hey, don't you forget that we're on the same team and therefore... I will not spend anything unless it's a win for both you and for me. And then you gave me this big kiss and then you just walk back over and continue <laughs> your conversation with the girls as if none of this just had happened. Yeah. Well, I when you reacted, I was like, what is going on? Because, you know, oftentimes when our spouse reacts, we react. Right. But I didn't. I was, I was like, what you. in the world is going on? And then I was like, oh, he thinks I'm going to go and spend money that that I'm not going to tell him about or that I'm going to spend something that's not on the budget. 
And so then I realized, oh, what an opportunity just to assure him, got his back. We're on the same team. We've got a plan and I'm not going to break it. I know I was acting horribly, but well done. (laughs) Well, you know, and honestly, it's in those moments in marriage that that's sort of what we hope for, at least Mm -hmm. I hope for, is that there are going to be times I'm triggered Mm -hmm. and I acted poorly. I'm I'm lecturing. I'm, you know, yelling. I'm whatever. And, and it's in those moments that what I so appreciated that you did is that you didn't get sucked into that. Mm-hmm. You didn't then get us into our cycle and mm-hmm. you're reacting and all of a sudden we're in this big reactive cycle. Mm-hmm. But instead, you, you chose to do something differently and reminding me they're on the same team was a great way yeah. to do that. Well, I wish but I, I did just that. appreciate that you did that. I wish I did that every time, but that's not the case either. I, that is true. So... And again, it's my birthday, so we should be telling a story where I'm the hero, by the way, of the story, not the one that did it all wrong, but that 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 is okay. And again, all of us, are, we're, we're going to deal with money. We're going to handle it right. At times, we're going to have conflict as a result, and it's our mm-hmm. desire today that we really talk about how to, how to manage money in financial issues well. So we've got some great segments coming up. You know, later on, Aaron and I will ask each other some conversation starters. So we love doing this. And it just is what an opportunity to really rediscover each other. We're also going to hear a question from one of our listeners. He wants to know, how can he help his wife open up to him? when he hasn't created a safe space for her in the past. But first, we had an insightful conversation with Chuck and Ann Bentley about working through their own financial trouble as a couple. They're authors and speakers with some amazing insights. So let's listen to the conversation we had with Chuck and Ann. Chuck, it sounds like early on in your marriage, you had some significant issues around finances. Can you talk about how you guys met each other and what that early marriage looked like for you guys? Well, we met in accounting class, which is a a sort of a paradox because (laughs) you would think that two people that met in accounting class would be able to agree on how to manage money together, but it actually became... (laughs) One of our great uh, divides, I would say we had a really great marriage on almost every issue except money, and that was the one that we just couldn't find common ground. Uh, Some people say that, you know, my personality is overbearing. Uh, I think that might be an understatement. I've never Uh, said that one time, so... Uh, someone, uh, I think a friend said, Chuck, your your personality is as strong as cat food. You really need to be, you know, be aware of that. And so poor Ann, uh, you know, I was right, and we would get along when she agreed that I was right. And that's sort of how it started out. <laughs> well, how did it, so you talked about just those differences in personality. How did that impact kind of that that new forming marriage, um, how did your personality differences really impact your disagreements around money? I think, and I'll speak first to this, Ann, but I I think it created a silent divide. Uh, We had a hard time being unified around decisions, Mm. particularly big decisions. I was cavalier about money. I had such a positive attitude that I could always out-earn whatever we spent that 
uh, I would I would make big decisions that would cause and a lot of stress and insecurity, and I think also a, a sense of this unspoken we're just not united. We're yeah. not really functioning the way we're supposed to. Is that how you would describe it, Anne? Well, I, I agree, and also we were raised totally differently. I came from a family of two teachers. My dad died my senior year in high school. Mm. I was the oldest of five children to leave home and go to college. And I just had to live on a very tight budget. Chuck, on the other hand, was raised in the oil business. His dad was a exploration, what do you call it, Chuck? His dad... Oh, he was a Texas wildcatter. We were always looking for oil as uh, you know, the the idea was to strike oil and to become rich, and that's sort of the mentality I had about everything. Mm. Yeah, so you guys definitely came from differing backgrounds, and that does have an impact, especially in those early years as you come together um, in marriage. So how long did these disagreements go on, and what was the turning point for you both in your marriage? I, I like to say that those disagreements went on for about 20 years. <laughs> <laughs> I was thinking maybe three or four years, but 20. <laughs> yeah, Anne was silently suffering. And and quite frankly, she knew that I wasn't going to agree with her. Like, I hated the word budget. I thought mm. that mm. being frugal was just odd. Uh, it just sounded horrible to me. And you know, looking back, it's so embarrassing. But the turning point, Aaron, came when Anne invited me to join her in a Bible study about finances. Hmm. And I told her that was the least interesting thing in my whole <laughs> life. Like, <laughs> why would I want to do that? Uh, I had totally no interest whatsoever. First, I thought I knew everything about money. Mm-hmm. And second, I thought I knew everything the Bible said about money. So why would it why would I take my time to do that? But Anne was determined, and she had been praying for me. And maybe, Anne, you can fill in a little background on how God worked that out. Well, an older woman had advised me. I didn't give her any details, but she said, Anne, you know, in a marriage, it's best to pray for your husband rather than to nag him. <laughs> so I just prayed for Chuck. Mm. And when he agreed uh, to go to a study on money, he said that the only night he was available was Sunday, which in my mind was like, well, who's going to lead a Bible study on a Sunday night, you know? Yeah. So I finally called uh, the man who was organizing them at the church we were going to at the time, and he said, Ann, I only have one spot available, and it's on a Sunday afternoon. Anyone who comes to my group has to agree to lead um, the study next time. I didn't even ask Chuck. I said, oh, we'll do that. <laughs> so you were confident that you were going to make fast progress. <laughs> well, I just I just knew better than to ask Chuck. Let's just go with this, see how it goes. And, and it seems like from that, Chuck, you guys really then developed, um, what, around seven keys that, that really has made a difference in to help you guys really be united around finances. So we'd love to get into those. Chuck, what is that kind of that, that first key that, that you guys learned? You know, Greg, I was challenged to speak at a conference and go beyond the budget because so many people think if you get on a budget, then that will unify you as a couple. Well, 
we knew that that wasn't really true, that we were so different and we were so far apart that we had to go much deeper than that. And so we wrote about our journey. And the first step for me was learning to become a peacemaker. Hmm. Uh, Instead of an arguer or a debater, uh, you know, money causes you to fight uh, because men feel threatened and their ego is threatened if they, you know, if the wife is not happy with the way things are going financially and, and a woman feels insecure if things aren't going well. And so it it is problematic to even talk about it. And once I realized that the Lord wanted somebody to be first, to be willing to apologize and to talk uh, and to have a plan as opposed to fighting each other, that we could make peace and then fight the problem together. That was a big step for us. Mm. That's powerful because unity is such a big thing in God's economy. It's what he desires for each of us. And of course, we have the enemy who wants us to be disconnected. And the enemy loves that when we're disconnected because a house divided will fall. What do you, you guys then talked about a second key that you discovered. How did that change your perspective? Well, Anne and I had two different definitions of prosperity. I thought we had the same definition, and that's really where we started to grow apart. I believe that the more I provided, the bigger bank account, uh, a raise, the more uh, money that was coming in, the happier Anne would be. Mm. And it didn't work at all. The, The more I tried to succeed, the more it seemed to draw us apart. So I was just really, really confused. Uh, My definition of success was more, bigger, better, faster, newer. And so I lived Mm -hmm. with discontentment. Mm. And Anne knew something was wrong with me. uh, And it turned out it was the definition of prosperity because, Anne, you looked at prosperity totally different than I did. Right. I I wanted Chuck to be the the shepherd of our home. Mm. And he was so preoccupied and with uh, making money and trying to get ahead, that he was totally unaware of that role. So you were, Ian, you were seeing maybe that that he wasn't being that shepherd like you were talking about. How did you guys, what did that conversation look like? Well, I was the one, we had four sons. I was the one leading devotions with them while Dad was out working and I think, Chuck, you eventually, I think we bought some books and you started going through them with the boys. But um, I just, a friend of mine told me that I needed to tell Chuck that Mm. I was unhappy and I just needed to be honest with him. Mm. I didn't understand that role, Greg. It wasn't a role that I had modeled for me and I was doing what I thought was best. And Anne wanted, she defined prosperity as having me home and engaged with the family. Mm. Mm-hmm. And, you know, success was taking me away from the family. And that's where, when we recognized that God wanted to bring us together to have a unified goal of prosperity, which was prospering as a family, prospering in our relationship with one another, mm-hmm. living in community and serving our, our children. And uh, that that took a while for me to understand. But I think once that came clear to me, then I was able to move away from just serving money, thinking it would solve all of our problems. And I so appreciate 
really Chuck and Ian's perspective mm-hmm. around money. Like they talked a lot about this idea of being a peacemaker mm-hmm. and this a peacemaker consistently listens to learns from and really shows honor to a spouse. And then they talked about biblical prosperity, which is God's ultimate plan for prosperity involves us bringing his shalom to our families and communities through service. Yeah. And I just thought that was so helpful, too, as they talk about another one, which is discovering life's purpose. Because, mm-hmm. boy, unless we've identified that that kind of spot on the horizon mm-hmm. of where are we going here, mm-hmm. not just financially, but within our marriage, with that, then, when we have purpose and clarity around what are we trying to achieve together, mm-hmm. then that impacts what we choose to spend money on or how right. we save, I mean, right. all those issues. Right. But then they also talked about God's philosophy of money and that God's plan involves stewardship, which means giving, saving, avoiding debt, investing that with counsel and caution yeah. so that God has a different view of money than we do. Yeah, the last three, respecting your spouse's personality, creating a unified financial plan, and then establishing a process that ensures success. And and that's really what I wanted to jump into was five and six, which mm-hmm. the first one is respecting your spouse's personality. Because we opened the show uh-huh. today really talking about, you know, a difference between us. And, and it's fair to say, you know, probably one of us is a saver. One of us is a spender. Mm-hmm. Well, actually, for us, we're probably both spenders. spenders. But I, spend, I probably save or think about you that do. more than and you I, do. And yeah. I spend on lots of little items, and you would be, have a propensity to spend more on bigger items. I know. But it's important. Like today, it's my uh-huh. birthday, and I'm hoping to get a big old gift card because there's a big purchase that I've been wanting to make. So we'll see. You want we'll me report to back, spend but... a lot because then <laughs> it it's not me. your problem. <laughs> right. <laughs> but... It's it's important to allow room for both. And I so appreciate that because as a spender, um, you have given me so much freedom not to overspend, but you've allowed me to be me. Yeah. And there's been different ways that we've done that over the years. And, you know, whether that's budgeting so much for those little purchases or, you know, having the guidelines in place, you just have, you've never stifled me. Well, I just, I, I mean, one, I... It's not my job to control, try to control you. I mean, that's that's for you and I to decide together. And mm-hmm. there's got to be room for both of us. Mm-hmm. So I, who am I to go, no, you can't buy that because I don't think it's a good idea. I mean, that's the kind of stuff that we would work out mm-hmm. as a team and, and, and figure that out together. I think when they talk about the creating a unified financial plan, mm-hmm. um, certainly, I mean, there's, there's – but you can – Google that and come up with a great budget. But really, when I was thinking about this unified financial plan, my mm-hmm. mind went to making sure that there's not one of the spouses that feels alone mm-hmm. in managing the finances. Mm-hmm. Because th- th- that has happened before yes. within our marriage to where I'm just, I'm not even that great at it, but I'm probably a little bit better <laughs> than you. So I end up paying the bills and, you know, figuring out the budget and we, we'll talk about it. Mm-hmm. But there, there are a lot of times that then it feels like, boy, that's all on my shoulders to think about, mm-hmm. to manage that stuff. And we've talked about that before of going, yes. we don't want to have areas in our marriage that one of us feels alone. Or fully responsible right, for it because right. we're, we are a team. Right. And I know for me, 
um, I so appreciate that you take the lead with the finances. Typically, I'm like, just tell me what the, what the guidelines are and I'll follow them. But I don't want to be involved in coming up with them. But that's not fair. And the same way, you know, as far as for me, um, caring for the house, yeah. you you know, that may not be your thing as far as, you know, emptying the dishwasher or wiping the counters down or mopping floors or mowing the lawn. But it's not like you can stay oblivious to right. that stuff either. Right. So it's looking at how do we do this together in a way that works, that leads us to what we want. Guarding against someone feeling alone mm-hmm. because that that we never want that. And, and mm-hmm. you and I had that conversation one time and we just, in a general sense, just said, are, are there areas in our marriage that you feel alone? Like everything, you know rests on your shoulders or you feel 100% responsible for that. And, you know, when we had that conversation, the first thing you talked about was cooking. Mm -hmm. And, man, that was – it was hugely (laughs) insightful. We've shared that story before in previous episodes. I'm laughing because anytime I think about you cooking, if you asked any of our children (laughs) – who who were in the home during the time that you really stepped into cooking, they go, oh, he made the same thing over and over again. I do, I do get in a rut. And so they're like, Mom, can you cook? There's nothing wrong with cooking burgers every night. I mean, or burgers are awesome. It was the sausage with... <laughs> With some cream sauce of some sort. Hey, let's not forget it's my birthday, so you're only allowed <laughs> to praise my cooking. So you're, but again, the point is look for those areas, have that conversation. You're trying to guard against someone feeling alone because we want our marriage to feel like both of us are responsible that we're in this together. And that no one, no one has that sense of going, oh, this is all on to me. Totally. So she, if you could see Erin, she's still laughing. Well, because I just remembered it wasn't sausage, it was shrimp. <laughs> Do we need to redo that? I'm going to get Chuck and Ann back on the phone and we're going to, we're going to, all three of us confront you. Did, you, about... you did discover... Um... Pinterest. <laughs> that is true. Pinterest does have a lot of great recipes. Shrimp wow. recipes. <laughs> I, I, I have no idea even how to transition oh other than to say that we certainly enjoyed our conversation with Chuck and Ann. We certainly did. And if you want to dive deeper, and again, all joking aside, to dive deeper into those seven keys that they shared for stronger finances, I tell you that that's going to so help and strengthen your mm-hmm. marriage. So you can get a copy of Chuck and Ann's book. It's called Money Problems, Marriage Solutions, and you can get that for a gift of any amount. So it's because of your financial support that we're able to do this podcast. So please donate and get that book today. Yes. And we have a free video series about how you can thrive in your marriage when it comes to money and finances. So check it out. All the details will be in the show notes. We are constantly changing as individuals. And what I love about this part of our show, conversation starter questions, it just provides a fun, easy way to deepen our understanding of one another and really just to stay attuned to each other's evolving thoughts, feelings, desires. Who, Who are we today? Yeah, and really by exploring a whole bunch of different topics, we rediscover 
you know, and each other and we're able to share aspirations and embrace new perspectives. So it's really Mm -hmm. asking each other these questions not only prevents complacency, but it really nurtures a more dynamic, changing connection as we journey together. For sure. So with that said, we're going to jump in and uh, I'm going to ask the first question. Okay. Better be good. So, Greg, what do you hate spending money on? Hmm. I I hate spending money on things that break. Like we've just oh been word. on this. I knew that's how he was going to answer really? it. Really? Yeah. I'm that predictable. I no, thought we because... just talked about this is all about changing and no, evolving. No, I knew that. That's how you would answer. Yeah. But I knew it's how I would answer too. So, well, especially because we've just been in this crazy bad streak that things keep breaking. Mm-hmm. And, and I, how many tires have I had to replace lately from our different vehicles? So because many. Keep getting these stupid nails. I even asked Aaron, like, is, is someone like sabotaging our vehicles? Like, how can we have this well, many nails? You got like a razor blade I in your tire. I had half a razor blade What is tire. happening? You know when you walk into the local tire repair shop and they know you by name yeah. and they roll their eyes when you walk in because you've spent so much time there that you've been there too much. I know. So yes. I just, I, I would much, I'm sure that everybody feels this way, but yeah, I just hate having yeah, to spend totally. money on things that break or have yes. to be repaired and uh, I'd much rather spend that on you oh. on a fancy date mm, or a vacation. Oh, that's even better. Yeah. All right. So here's mine to you. What was your view of money growing up? Mm. It's interesting. I have thought about that multiple times and it was very much feast or famine in our family because mm. my dad actually was a hairstylist and owned hair salons. And so during good seasons, there was extra. And when during slow seasons, mm. there was not. And it wasn't that they ever talked about that, but you could absolutely pick up on that, or at least I did as a child. And so I think I walked out of my family of origin very committed to working hard. But interestingly enough, and this could be more about my personality, that just the details of finances, I hate. Hmm. Like I, I hate spreadsheets. <laughs> so I know some people love spreadsheets and I love them for loving spreadsheets. I don't. I have to put our f- budget in a coloring book with crayons <laughs> just to make you not think it's a yes, spreadsheet. Yeah. Yes. So I think that it's that's good. probably yeah. more my personality. Yeah. But again, I mean, just, I, I know that about you, but just again, hearing it is it, a great reminder. You're mm-hmm. right. That that was, that was painful. That whole feast or famine, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you know, in, in the insecurity during the famine, mm-hmm. the, the fun of let's just go spend when it was mm-hmm. feast. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That, mm-hmm. that makes sense. Okay. So one for you, Greg, what do you love to spend money on? I love to spend money on um, some of the hobbies that that I enjoy, like fishing, for example. Mm-hmm. So I, I love going. We have a huge um, sporting goods store real close to us. And so it's fun to go there and peruse and look at all the different reels that I could buy mm-hmm. and <laughs> lures and just all that kind of stuff. So I enjoy spending money. Yeah, well, you mentioned earlier that you were hoping to get gift cards? Yes, to that what, exact But I'm wondering what store. you're wanting to buy. Uh, th- this sounds ridiculous, but there, there's I've never had a really nice knife. And when we go hiking, when I go fishing, 
But even like when I walk in the morning, uh-huh. I would love to have a really nice knife that I could keep in my pocket and just, 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 in, just case. in case. I don't know. Maybe it's the protector in me, but just always wanted that. So I saw one there the other day and huh. yes, I was hinting to our family group chat on our text stream about, hey, if everybody wanted to pull together, you could get me one large gift card at this <laughs> sporting goods store. So Well, we shall see. We'll see tonight. The cards are on the counter. The <laughs> Birthday cards. I'm not saying gift cards. I'm saying birthday mm, cards are on the counter. Gotcha, gotcha. Cannot wait. So how, the last question, how do you define financial success? I would say that I would define financial success as meeting the shared goals that you have as a couple. That, And for me, success is staying within those guidelines and um, sharing that together in journeying through the different seasons of life, I, I just keep thinking about our son is about to graduate from college. And that's kind of a, a big marker. Another because, one off the books. Well, it's been, it's been, we've had three kids go through college and that's expensive. Yeah. We've had three weddings. And so it is, those are some. And like 27 new tires <laughs> that we've had to <laughs> that buy. That too. Thank goodness the local tire shop actually repairs tires for free, Greg. <laughs> that so is that is a blessing yeah. for us. But really, I think as we have developed goals, that that is something that we um, continue to work toward yeah. financially. And again, I, I love the opportunity to to do these conversation starters here live with you guys. We, we really don't look at them beforehand. So mm-hmm. these are answers right off the top of our heads. Because remember, we're always constantly changing. Mm-hmm. That's the point. Yeah. I just I learned something new about you, Aaron, every time that we do this. And that's really the purpose of these conversation starters. It's all about rediscovering each other. It's about staying current, staying updated. Mm-hmm. Such a healthy part of of our connection. So we'll put these conversation starters. Uh, we'll add a link into the show notes so you can get these and enjoy those as you guys rediscover each other. Well, now we're going to move on to our weekly Q&A, and this is the part of the show where we answer your burning questions about marriage. Yes, please send us your questions. You can click the link in the show notes or go to crazylittlethingcalledmarriage.com and click the button on the side of the show page to leave us a voicemail. And if it gets answered on the show, we're going to send you a copy of our book, Crazy Little Thing Called Marriage, 12 Secrets to a Lifelong Romance, for free as our way of saying thank you for listening and reaching out to us. Yeah, so today's question comes from Larry. Let's listen to the voicemail that he sent in. Hey, Greg and Aaron, uh, this is Larry, and uh, I'm having some trouble with my wife. Her love language is uh, words of affirmation, and in the past, I've been overly critical, and uh, I feel like I've I've been getting better, but I'm... It's just uh, hard sometimes when we're having a discussion for her to open up, you know, and really have a safe space when we're having a discussion. So what are some things that I can do to help, you know, her heart not be hardened and kind of uh, open uh, back up to me uh, when we're having a discussion? Larry, thanks so much for calling in and leaving us a message. And I really appreciate Um, that you're saying 
gosh, I'm noticing this thing that my wife is doing that she's she's not opening up as much as she used to or um, she's not sharing quite so much. But what I really appreciate is that you're working on it, that you're working on you, that you're looking internally to go, what am I doing that's influencing this scenario? And I just, I really appreciate that. Yeah. And Larry, we would encourage you as a beginning spot to really go back and make your goal to repair what has gone on in the past. If if you feel like, hey, I, I know in the past, because you talked about this, that, that I've been critical. I, I imagine that there's probably some repair work. Even mm-hmm. if you've said, no, I've apologized. Mm-hmm. I, just giving her another opportunity to go to her and to say, listen, the, I keep thinking about this. God keeps putting this on my heart. But, man, I really feel awful about some of the ways that I've showed up when, when we've talked and, and I've just been really critical. And again, I would, I would love to know what that was like for mm-hmm. you, if you're willing. And, and I'm not going to argue. I'm not going to debate. I'm not going to challenge what you're saying because in, in do not do that, Larry. Just let her have an opportunity just to emotionally tell you what that was like for her. Because our hearts will keep bringing whatever it is up until our hearts know that the other person gets the pain that was caused. And so exactly what Greg is saying, just listen and just give her an opportunity to share and to grieve what this has been like for her. And, you know, to assure her like, hey, I'm here and I will listen for as long as I need to until your heart can relax and know that I'm going to show up differently. In essence, that I'm going to show up in safe ways that and I'm going to show up trustworthy um, to honor your heart. Then just keep listening. Keep being available because in essence, what she's done is she's put a wall up. And when you are on the outside of someone's wall, it's it can be very painful because you're alone in essence and you want connection. What we always say is honor the wall, honor her wall, notice her wall. I notice you have a wall up, but I'm going to wait out here until you're ready to let it down or until you feel safe enough to let that wall down. Yeah. And, and Larry, moving forward. So once you kind of go back and you keep doing some repair work and, and by the way, Aaron and I would tell you, this isn't like a one and done. There's probably, there'll be times that maybe some of what's happened will come up again and you never want to go, Hey, we already talked about this. Already mm-hmm. listened. You just, Hey, if, if her heart is grieving around what's gone on in the past, just take it as an opportunity yes. just again, to care and empathize with what that was like for her. That's what's building safety. When people feel safe, their hearts are going to open. Mm-hmm. They're more likely than she'll be more likely to really let you see deep within there, those vulnerable places. But moving forward, I think one of the best things that, that I did when I was trying to learn this early on in my marriage is that I had to create an image of when Aaron was sharing that I had to visualize her handing me her heart. And so come up Larry with, with some picture that you can remember where maybe she's holding a little baby bird or, or some, I mean, you have to come up with something. Maybe it's a hundred carat diamond, Mm -hmm. something that signifies that she is about to, to let me see deep within her. And that's a very vulnerable, very valuable place. Mm -hmm. And if you can, 
picture that whatever it is. So for me, I literally would imagine Aaron handing me her heart and that put me on full alert that, whoa, I'm being given a very unique opportunity here. Mm-hmm. And, and she's letting me in to a very sacred place and I'm going to be careful. But maybe it's, you know, the Old Testament around the Holy of Holies. Maybe it's going back and rereading what that looked like and what 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 was the Holy of Holies. It was a sacred place. And maybe that's what you imagine. Whoa, she's inviting me into this sacred Holy of Holies. And therefore, I'm going to be so careful. I'm going to watch what I say. I'm going to watch how I treat her because I want access mm-hmm. to all of that. In the bottom line, Larry, this isn't easy. But the greatest news is we don't have to do this stuff on our own. Ask God to strengthen you, to give you courage, to give you self-control, patience, and, you know, battle to keep your heart open as you wait and you wait well and do the things that Greg is saying, you know, to really recognize this is precious ground that she's inviting you into. It's not to be taken for granted. So I so appreciate, Larry, that you're working on it, that you're asking the question, that you are getting, you said, I'm getting better. So keep getting better and asking God to help you. Larry, again, thank you so much for your question and look out for your copy of Crazy Little Thing Called Marriage. And if you're listening today and have any questions for us, contact us. Click the link in the show notes to leave us a voicemail. Thank you for joining us for Crazy Little Thing Called Marriage. We hope today's conversation helped you and your spouse better understand how to talk about money. Yeah, be sure to like, listen, and subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. You know, we want you to have a seat at the table every week as we help equip you and your spouse to have a lifelong and satisfying marriage. You know, we want you to grow spiritually, both as individuals and as a couple, so that you can invest in other couples to help them have thriving marriages. Thanks again for listening. We'll talk with you again next week about this crazy little thing called marriage. Is your marriage holding on by a thread? For deep hurt, you need deep healing that only comes from the Lord. And you'll find it at a Focus on the Family Hope Restored Intensive in Michigan. Our licensed Christian counselors will help you and your spouse get to the root of your issues in just three to five days. And it works. 80% of the couples are still married two years after attending. Learn more at HopeRestored.com and talk with a trusted advisor. That's HopeRestored.com.